Well, we're going to be in Galatians chapter 6 this morning, beginning in verse 6, continuing with our series on the Christian's relationship to prosperity. And we're going to begin reading in verse 6. Once again, I'll read, and you listen quietly. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good. Amen, Christ Church? Let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then... As we have opportunity this week and for the rest of our lives, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Amen. We see right here a call, a call, a very clear call, not complicated at all. The call is quite obvious. We are to do good. We are to accomplish good deeds. And we are to sow these seeds of good deeds in various fields. From the text here, we see that the congregation is to do good to the pastors. That's right there in verse 6. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. And it's implied that I would then and the other pastors would then do good to you in return. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul tells pastors explicitly to make sure you're building up your congregation with gold and silver and precious metals. I love this. I love the synergy of this, that you reap where I sow and where the other pastors sow during the week, and then I reap and the other pastors reap where you sow. You see how covenantally we are joined in that you reap where I sow and I reap where you sow. And there is a mutuality there. There is a synergy there. And and by our needs and by our gifts and by our good deeds, the Holy Spirit unites us even closer. Do you see the synergy? You see the connectivity there? I really appreciate that. I, I love that. But it's also not only are we sowing good deeds to the pastor and the pastor to the congregation, but it says that the congregation is to do good to all men everywhere. And that refers to non Christians in the community. So every single one of us should, should be sowing seeds in Acadiana, sowing those seeds of good deeds in Acadiana, so that the people of our town are blessed by our efforts, so that they reap where we sow, and in return, we reap where they sow. So there is still some covenantal mutuality in a town or in a community. We're not all islands unto ourselves. We're in this together in some sense. And so we do good to all men, and we have a hope of prosperity being multiplied in the future, which is what Paul is telling us here. But it's not just the congregation of the pastor and the pastor of the congregation and the congregation of the world. It's the congregation to the congregation. You see that? We all have various fields we should all be sowing in simultaneously. That's the call. Ask yourself right now, am I sowing any seeds of good deeds in the community to non-Christians? You say, but Pastor Brandon, I'm not sure there's any hope out there. And that's, you're missing the point. He's saying do it because you can reap where you sow and you can reap a multiplied harvest. There's hope for change. There's hope for making a difference. There's hope for an effect. Even our meager little efforts, amen, 
But while you're sowing in the community, you especially want to be sowing in the church. That's why he says there in verse 10, especially to those who are of the household of faith. That's the church. So your days should be filled with good deeds to everyone in town and especially to the people in your church. Amen. And you only have so much time and so much energy and so much money. You need to make sure you're using those especially for the people in your church. And not only that, but you're doing it to the pastors and the pastors are doing it in return so that we have this, these fields everywhere planted by God's good deeds, expecting and waiting for a future harvest. Amen? That's the call. And, the, and we've talked about that for weeks now. But there is a caveat. Along with the call, there is a caveat. And you can see it there in verse 9. We're to sow in various fields, expecting a multiplied harvest. There's going to be a time period where we have to wait. Amen? He unfolds his prosperity in due season. As we've been talking, I'm kind of building on all my earlier sermons. But here's the caveat, it's in verse 9, and let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season, see he unfolds that prosperity and those promises in our life gradually over time, in due season, we will reap, and look at this conditional statement right here, if Christ church, you and I don't give up, amen? If we are to enjoy future blessings multi-generational blessings as, as we have spoken of in weeks earlier. If we are to enjoy wealth, health, inheritance, education, social connections, the ability to make an impact in the community, if we're to see our community change, to see our church change, see our families change, if we're going to see prosperity from the Lord, it's necessary for us to not give up. You cannot fall away. You cannot quit. You must persevere. Amen? You see, the farmer sows seeds. You know, there's a particular day in which they are to plant the crops. It depends on the weather. It depends on the, the season. But they plant the crops. They get the seeds into the ground with tractors and with various farming equipment. They put the seeds into the ground. But then they don't just go home and sit on the, on the porch on a rocking chair until harvest time. Now, that sounds... Well, it sounds terrible, honestly. It sounds like a boring, monotonous life. <laughs> but no, after you put the seeds in the ground, you know what else you have to do? You have to tend it. Now, you see, we can expect a multiplied harvest where we sow, but only if we tend what we sow in the meantime. Remember, we, he unfolds prosperity gradually over time, and therefore we must wait on the Lord, and we must pray, and we must wrestle with the Lord, and ask him for it, and sow the kind of seeds that would reap that harvest. But also, you have to keep tending the seeds that you planted. You have to water them. You can think of all the things that farmers have to do. You have to water them. You have to provide nutrients and fertilizer. You have to build hedges to protect them from the elements and from predators, and from anything that might come and dig up the plant, you have to protect them from the noonday sun, sometimes by building trellises and, and building shade. There's quite a bit that farmers, that gardeners have to do between sowing and reaping. And anyone here has ever tried a vegetable garden, you know how easy it is to get started. And you know how easy it is to eat the fruit. But where do we always go wrong? It's in the middle. Because of the weeds, right? Because of the weeds. 
And my kids, we loved gardening, especially when they were little. I was never good at it, but it was always because of the weeds. And living in Louisiana with all the moisture and the rain and the full bright sun, our weeds are terrible. And so what does the farmer have to do? Every day, every day, and if anyone who knows anything about gardening knows you got to keep on top of it, you got to stay on top of it. Every day you have to go out in the midday sun, sweating, miserable, dehydrated, and hoe the weeds. Who loves to do that? No. No, we love to plant the garden. Oh, look how beautiful, all the clean rows, the, the trellises, you know, put that on Pinterest. It's exactly what we like. You know, Lord, bless you, Lord, for giving me this opportunity in this land to have this beautiful, this garden and your little children are playing in. It's such a wonderful time. And we all love to show pictures of the fruit on our countertops and we're cutting the cucumbers and enjoying it all. But no one ever puts the middle on Pinterest, right? <laughs> That's the hard part. See, the Apostle Paul knows what it's like to be trained by our Heavenly Father. He knows that it's not easy. The Apostle Paul was trained by a demonic spirit that was given to him as a, a thorn in the flesh. Right? He knew what it was like to endure difficulties. And he says to us, don't grow weary. Don't grow weary. That is where we can lose it all. Amen, Christ Church. You see, it's when we're working and tilling the weeds and laying the fertilizer and doing the pruning and building the trellises and protecting from the the predators that might come and take the fruit, that's when we are tempted to doubt his goodness. That's when we're tempted to fall into other alternatives. In the space between sowing and reaping, there is a high probability that you will grow weary and be tempted to quit. But the only way, Christ Church, you will reap the prosperity that we've been talking about is if you persevere. Amen? If you get nothing today, get that. In the space between conceiving children, which everybody enjoys, and the kids being old enough to do the dishes, which everybody enjoys, is quite a few years. Am I right? The space between conception and when your children are old enough to be a friend is a lot of years, right? The space between conception and, they are, and them being able to pitch in around the house or to have their own family and contribute to the kingdom alongside of you as a, a king or a queen alongside of you in the kingdom of God, there's a lot of years between those two things. And what you can't do is quit. You can't quit. You must endure. You must persevere. The Father knows that the midday sun is hot. He knows that you are getting dehydrated and weary. He's going to give you some breaks from time to time. But you have to cast out doubt and cast, cast out anxiety and cast out fear and cast out lies and persevere. And the more kids you have, the harder it's going to be. There's no doubt about it. Right? The bigger the garden is, the more weeds you're going to have to hoe. <laughs> and some of you got, you know, big gardens. And that's God's blessing on you. That's so many seeds in the ground. So much fruit is going to come of it. But you have to persevere. You cannot grow weary. It's difficult disciplining children, isn't it? Oh, what's the hardest thing about disciplining children? It's the consistency. 
right? Consistency and the fact that every child seems to be a different. Every child is a, you get God sends you a slider, then a curveball, then a knuckleball, then a fast one down the middle. It's like every kid is different. And then, and then there's the instruction and the constant instruction and, there's, and they're hard-headed. You have to stick with it, Amen. But I promise you, as someone who's a little bit further down the line on that, I don't have a lot of little kids, and my kids can help out around the house, so much so that I'm not sure exactly what I'm supposed to do anymore. And, and, they're, and they are enjoyable to be around. I'm just telling you from my, my perspective, it really is worth it. Don't quit. Amen? And if, if you're in a marriage, it takes a long time to have a happy, productive Marriage with phileo love and agape love and eros love all firing on all cylinders. To have passion and to have peace and to have companionship in a marriage takes a long time. Amen. You say to each other on your wedding day, I love you. But you don't really. Like, you don't really. Not in any way compared to what you will 20 or 30 years down the line. You say, I trust you. But you don't really trust them. You trust them a little Enough to take the risk of getting married, but you have to work and you have to cultivate and you have to tend that marriage over a long period of time if you're going to reap the potential harvest that you could from such a marriage. Amen? So do not grow weary, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. You know, one of the hardest things I've ever done in my entire life was uh, trying to start and still trying to start Christ Church Academy. Um, it was a million times harder than trying to start a church um, because you're dealing with people's precious babies. You're not dealing with just an hour on Sunday morning. It was very hard, and it's still very hard. But having 10th graders, right, and seeing the fruit, wow. You look back over the years and say, God, thank you. Thank you so much for the blessing and the prosperity. And they're just 10th graders. Imagine when they're adults. The fruit that they will be able to produce for the kingdom of heaven, that's prosperity. But it takes years of tending. You know, the hardest thing about a school is you get one grade a year. Not a lot of results, right? You get K-5 for one year. And then first grade. And then second grade. Lord, could you speed this up? <laughs> oh, there's so many obstacles and so many weeds. And, but, Wow. And you know, we're going to have to keep tending the academy and tending this church. And the next generation is going to have to pick up where we started. But if we don't grow weary, we reap a harvest. The Bible says that a wise man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. Now that inheritance might only be the virtues that God has taught them or the laws of God. If you leave nothing to your children but the laws of God and the proverbs of God, then you've done a great job. Amen. Not everyone can stock money, uh, stock money away. Not everyone lives in prosperous situations. There's persecution, there's uh, statism, there's warfare, etc. But if you're able to put money aside for the next generation, do that. Save up an inheritance so they can start on the third floor instead of the first floor. Or maybe you started on the third floor, let them start on the seventh floor, amen? But as you're putting money away each month, don't forget you have to tend it. You can plan it, but you have to tend it, or it will go away, or it will be taken. You have to protect it, you have to tend it, you have to keep an eye on it, and you have to do so until you pass over that baton. <clears throat> you want to have the prosperity of friends? It takes a long time. It takes a long time. 
It takes nearly a decade or more to have a real friend, a friend that sticks closer to you than a brother, that you can be vulnerable with and they remain loyal to you. And you've been through the ups and downs and you fought in the foxhole together. It takes a long time to have a friend like that. First off, I hope it's your wife or your husband. But the Bible says there are friends that the Lord would give you, friends that stick closer than a brother. Amen? But that's going to take some sowing of seeds. But you have to tend it. You have to tend it. You have to make sure you're watering those friendships. Make sure you're pulling out those weeds. Making sure there's no root of bitterness that springs up and breaks the friendship. And casting out the fears and the doubts and the lies that the devil puts in. And resisting the wedge that the devil would put between you. Because the devil doesn't want you to prosper. It takes a lot of tending, doesn't it? But there is blessing and there is promises and prosperity for you in every area of life if you don't quit. If you don't quit. Amen? Amen. So consider, would you, your various callings in this life, a father, a mother, a friend, a boss, an employee, a business owner, talk about having to weed every day, a husband, a wife, so much opportunity for harvest, but you have to persevere. And God can give you the strength to persevere. God can be there for you, and your church can be there for you. Amen. You say, Pastor Brandon, you're, you're, uh, I love what you're saying, and I get you in theory, but I'm not really under any threat of ever quitting. I'm in it for the long haul. You know, I'm one of those kind of people that can, can do the job right. Well, the, the Bible doesn't really speak of humans that way, first of all. <laughs> uh, the Bible, God is not as confident in you as you might be in yourself. Actually, Jesus tells us time and time again, there are a lot of things that are kind of come at you and attempt to cut off your potential fruit. If you're a new Christian right now, I know it's exciting and it's awesome. And it really is. We're so happy to have you and we love that you've joined the family. But I'm telling you, there's something coming at you down the pipe that's going to test your faith. And it's probably going to be an offense from the, other pe- the people you love the most. That's probably what it's going to be. Right? But you have to persevere. You get over that hump and God will bless you. Amen? New Christians, listen, you don't know what I'm talking about yet, but it's coming. It's coming. But listen to what Jesus says. Matthew 13, verse 3. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depths of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away, fruitless. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. You see, the efforts in your life, whether they be in family, in church, in the community, are going to face the sun at some point in time. The sun will come out, and not in a good way. You will face the weariness of the midday heat. And Jesus says that that sun represents persecution, attack, slanders, oftentimes from friends and family. But you cannot grow weary in that moment, or else you will lose all of the potential productivity that you can have in your life. Jesus says that the thorns will begin to come into your life. You're sowing those seeds, you have those children, you have that beautiful marriage, you have those savings, you have uh, your education, you have your business, you have a school or a church, all that you have and you're tending it and you're tending, thorns will come. 
Thorns will come. And Jesus says that the thorns represent the cares of this world, which I think he means the tyranny of the urgent. Have you heard that phrase before? The tyranny, the tyranny of the urgent. Those things that are like, give me, my, give me your attention right now, right now, right now. I demand your attention. I demand your attention. And they cause you to take your eye off the prize, to take your eye off what you're actually called to be doing. Amen? That's the cares of this world. I want you to remember this. When the cares of this world come and tempt you to take your eye off the prize, to remove you from the field that God has called you to cultivate from your family, your church, your community, etc. When those distractions and those, the tyranny, the urgent comes and the cares of this world, whether they be from your own heart or from other people's mouths, I want you to remember what <laughs> Nehemiah said to his enemies. He said, I am busy about a great work and I don't have time to come down and deal with you. Remember that. Put that one in your mind. You are busy. Every single one of you is busy about a great work. It may not feel like a great work, but remember last week when we said God can multiply it a hundredfold. You are busy about a great work. There are good deeds that God has ordained before the foundation of the world for you to walk in. And you've got to do those good deeds and not be distracted by anything. Amen? Jesus said the thorns, though, also represent the deceitfulness of riches. That's very important. And what he basically means, if I can apply that to the whole sermon series, is that all of this prosperity that the Lord promises you and that you're working toward, it has to be for the kingdom. Seek ye first the kingdom, and all these things will be added unto you. But if you seek first family, or if you seek first money, or you seek first inheritance, or you seek first friends, or you seek first education, or any form of blessing and prosperity, you run the risk of losing all that you do have. Money can trick you. It can deceive you. It can put itself in your life as the preeminent one. But you have to remember, all of this is for you to leverage for the kingdom. And that doesn't mean you're going to have less joy. It means you're going to have more joy. It means you're going to have more joy. Great enjoyment in the kingdom of heaven. So there are many things that we have to watch out for. But just remember this one phrase. I am busy about a great work. And I cannot come down and deal with you. I have these seeds to tend and these weeds to hoe. Amen? Amen. Moving on, another, another aspect of this. Not only are we to persevere, that means don't quit. But we have to persevere, and this is very important, we have to persevere in diligence. In diligence. You know, one of the temptations when doing a very difficult, laborious job is to quit. But another temptation is not to quit altogether, but just to simply slack off. Amen? Just to slack off, to cut, corner, cut corners or round off the edges. But the Bible is very clear that your prosperity and your reaping will be in proportion to your diligence. To your diligence. Look at Proverbs chapter 10, verse 4. A slack hand causes poverty. But the hand of the diligent makes risk, makes rich. What this simply means is that as Christians, we are to be conscientious. Amen? We are to persevere and be persistent in careful work. As you are tending your children, as pastors, as we are tending this congregation, as you are tending your friendships and your relationships, as you're tending your business, don't cut corners. Don't slack off. Don't be, a la don't be lazy about it. 
Be diligent and excellent in everything that you do. Why? Because the way God governs this world is that he blesses the diligent. And you will reap in proportion to your diligence. Right? Every one of you that has a business or has ever used a business knows how this works. There was a temptation, there was a whisper in your head that if I cut this corner, I will be more prosperous. It will be less time invested, less money invested, so that at the end, I will make more money. But that's not how God's economy works. What you want to do is go the extra mile. When we're doing goods for, good for this community, when we're doing good one for another, we go the extra mile. We persevere in diligence, even when it's difficult, because we know the way God's economy works is that he blesses the hand of the diligent. Proverbs 21, verse 5. The plans of the diligent... That means those who persist in careful work and don't cut corners lead surely to abundance. You see how God manages this world. But everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. Proverbs 12, 24. The hand of the diligent will rule while the slothful will be put to forced labor. Cutting corners is a temptation. Not disciplining the kids today, right? Not instructing them on this particular issue today. I'm so tired. Not, not managing your assets today. Not doing your budget today. Not warding off the threats that might come to the prosperity that God's given you. Not being a good steward today. It's a lot easier just to be slack, isn't it? Amen? It's easier to be slack, but the hand of the diligent will rule. Proverbs 17:2. A servant who deals wisely will rule over a son who acts shamefully and will share the inheritance as one of the brothers. That means diligence is more important than knowing the boss or even being related to the boss. Diligence is who is what God blesses in this world. How was it that Joseph was promoted to prime minister of Egypt? His diligence. His careful persistence in saving the entire empire from famine. How is it that Daniel was raised up in the court of Nebuchadnezzar? Diligence. How is it that Nehemiah was given the freedom to go to Jerusalem and build the walls of, uh, build the walls of Jerusalem because he was diligent as a cupbearer of the king? How is it that Jacob was blessed with prosperity 100-fold even while his father-in-law was trying to steal everything from him because he was diligent? You see, it's more important to be diligent than to be noticed. It's more important to be diligent than to get the, as most money out of every single thing you possibly can because in the long run, God blesses diligence. This is what we call the Protestant work ethic. This is what Martin Luther said when he said, if you are a chef, then you make the best soup that you possibly can and you sell it at a fair, equitable price. This is how we sow seeds in the community. This is how we sow seeds in our church. Doing this in faith that God blesses our efforts, multiplies our efforts, and really blesses them if we're diligent and persist in them. Amen, Christ Church? Amen. Let's go ahead and stand as the musicians come forward. If you're going to do a plumbing job in your home, do it with your son and tell him we're doing this with diligence and with excellence for the grandkids or for whoever moves into the house next. Amen? If you're changing diapers, do it with diligence, knowing that God can multiply those particular efforts. If you're working, if you're serving, let's make sure that we're doing it in faith and with diligence and not quit. Amen? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we do want to be a prosperous church in an age of poverty, in an age of rising poverty, 
and economic despair, etc. We want to be a prosperous church so that we might be mighty in good deeds for your name. We do ask that you would multiply our efforts and give us the grace we need not to quit and not to slack off. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. amen. Let's sing Rise Up, O Men.